Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And we have another packed show for you this evening. You'd expect nothing else. Let's be honest with it. We're going to be talking Whitecaps, we're going to be talking Canada, and we're going to be talking a little bit about the Euros, but more about the art of writing a football song. I'll explain more about that later. But we're going to kick the show off the way that we kick off all the shows at the weekend these days, by opening the gift that keeps on giving, Steve Pander's Christmas gift to Zach and myself, the 2011 Upper Deck MLS trading card pack for any new listeners. Every week we open a pack, which is great radio. Zach and myself are putting together our best start in 11, and then we're going to have regular votes. So, so everyone feels that Zach's team at the moment is the better all-round team. I'm needing to work a little bit on my midfield and defence. Maybe I'll get somebody in this week's pack that can bolster that. So let, let's get to the packs right now. We'll rattle through this because we've got a lot to get on in with the show. First, first off, uh, I just want to say, I've Steve, I've submitted some uh, paperwork to the league uh, about uh, some potential uh, moves. Oh, Steve, if you could look at that and sure. let me know privately. Okay. And Zach has his helper, Kirk, with him again, opening the packs. But I'm going to start things off because I want to start things off on a high. The first card in my pack, he's got a long oh. throw. It's I have Wes Knight. We have him, right? Yeah, we have him. We have that card. It's a good one. Yes. Really? It must have been on a day I wasn't there for openings. No, it was early. We have one. Really? Night. No, we didn't have There were no white caps for a long time to start off with. Hang on. Hang on. I got to prove that I got this. I know I have this. Wes Knight's on my team for sure. I would have remembered Wes. He's not in my team, but I have him. I'm pretty sure you've got him. Well, maybe you do. Maybe oh. I just missed him. Yeah, yeah, I got him. He's in the bib. Yeah, I got him. I think I've got everyone. I think you've got everyone that I've got in this pack. So who's your first card? I think this guy played some right back too, but uh, it's Jamaican. No, he went off his own accord. Lovell Palmer. He played for Portland for one oh, year. But yes, here he's yes. Well, oh, he's good. I have him. Uh, yeah, I think he plays right back, right? Yeah, I thought he played right back for them. I have a Chicago Fire forward. He's a superstar. It's Kalen Carr. How many goals has he scored so far? I ha- I, uh, I have that guy. I know I know him too a little bit. 
Now I have a card, Steve. This is a card that I just applied for uh, for some inclusion in my team. Oh, am I allowed to? Am I allowed to put him in my team, Steve? If he's not on Michael's, then yeah. Yeah. Oh no, Kyle Beckerman. We were talking about this. I was thinking about adding him into my team, but Zach has got there first. That's disappointing. I'm not going to put this one in my team because I've got a keeper. But she's a keeper. It's Karen Bardsley. I have uh, an abundance of keepers in my deck, according to Kirk. The first one is this card Michael has and had him in his team and has removed him from his team. So he is likely, depending on what other cards come in my deck, he is likely to be my new keeper. From DC, Bill Hamid. Yeah. That's a good pickup. That's a a big improvement. Yep. Over Matt Pickens, yeah. I have got from Philadelphia Union midfielder Roger Torres. I have the one. I I have here uh, another keeper, also from DC United, Steve Cronin. (laughs) Oh, wow. It is a keeper. I have San Jose Earthquakes, Ryan Johnson. Oh, yeah, I got that one too. Uh, the next card is it definitely would have been my starting keeper, but he's currently Michael's, Nick Romando. Yeah. Wow. Jeez, that is a keeper pack. A my last card. Oh. Let Big Phil play. Zach's got him already. Yeah. Philippe Davis. I swear these packs are like the same. No, they're not the same. Now, I, I question for you before I show you this card. Just a clarification, because I think we haven't talked about this since the beginning. These players we're putting in our team, is it who they were in 2011 or before, or is it who just who they are as a footballer? I, I've, I've based it on who I've, they are as a footballer. Yeah, okay. a, in their peak time or whatever, you can say. Okay, because then this is another player that Michael has, card that he has, but he has not chosen to put him in his team, and I might have to put him in my team. It might cost me a donut or two. It's Stefan Fry. Oh, so either Stefan Fry or Bill Hamid will be my new number one keeper. As assuming that Michael doesn't take out Nick Romando. No, I'm keeping. No. I'm keeping Mr. Romando. He's going to be in to the so, end. I can't see as anyone as, dislodging him. As long as you don't hire Mar- Marius Robe to, uh, as your uh, coach, uh, you should be have no problem. Because I remember, uh, remember the Sebastian Fernandez goal against yes. Nick Romando. Yes. Oh, yes. Prior to that game, I asked Marius, "What you know? How do you beat a guy like Nick Romando? What's the, what's the tactics on that?" And he and he called it basically shoot to the corners, and because yeah. he, he's a small and and that's what exactly what happened. And then he he basically the first time after that game he, he said, see I told you I told you. <laughs> yeah, would you guys rate Stefan Fry better than Bill Hamid holistically? I would. I I, I they're, it's very mm. close. They're it very close. close. Hamid Hamid had a little time in Europe, but it didn't work out, right? Like Denmark, yeah, or something. I I I don't know. I, it's, it's a close one. I would maybe go with Hamid, but I personally would too. I think I think but it's Fry, just it's... Fry's achieved more, and I think yeah, Fry's he... achieved more as a team oh, on a team. I don't but, think, but, but for example, the the first cup win against Toronto was his save. Like yeah, that, that was... was one game, one save. I'm talking about overall keeping. Okay. Well, anyway, that's it for the cards for this week. We're gonna get into the football chat because I I've had a busy day. I've recorded. A two-plus-hour Euros podcast. We've done a two-hour-plus Canadian Aruba watch-along. And now we're recording this podcast, which won't be two-plus hours. Who am I kidding? Of course it will be. That's what they all are. But we're going to kick things off by talking Vancouver Whitecaps. 
I mean, this is the best spell it has been for the Whitecaps. They are unbeaten in two weeks. I think that's phenomenal achievement. And I I fancy them to go next weekend without getting beaten as well. I think we could go 27 days unbeaten. That's just a guess. Although it is the Whitecaps, so I'm sure something might come along to, to derail that. Um, Michael, I think you're for, forgetting one thing. I think the Whitecaps did get beaten in the transfer window, or at least to the transfer window closing. Well, did they, though? Because that is the they big cool. Whitecaps news of the week. There's yeah, they're putting edition. in a new, new player, and they didn't have to open a pack to get it. No. And they've done their own MLS trading, and they gave New York Red Bulls what I feel is frankly quite a staggering figure of 400,000 in GAM with potentially another 100,000 in conditional GAM for 25-year-old forward Brian White. Will it be all white on the night for the Whitecaps? That's the, the thing we've got to ask now. Now, I'm not saying Brian White is not a good forward. He is. He has done it in MLS. 16 goals, four assists and 50 MLS appearances. He was voted the New York Red Bulls Offensive Player of the Year last year, but he clearly was not in Red Bulls' plans for this season. So the Whitecaps have swooped in for backup for Lucas Cavallini is going to be most likely away at the Gold Cup with Canada. David Egbo, who had been much talked about as the guy that was going to maybe step up when Cavallini was away, hasn't set foot on the pitch in a Whitecaps shirt yet, and he's not going to for this season unless he is recalled, because he has gone out on a, a loan for the rest of the season to USL Championship side Phoenix Rising, which is good for, for Egbo. It's a good quality team that he's going to, so he's going to learn a lot there. We'll, we'll come to that in a sec. So clearly the Whitecaps don't have a lot of faith in St. Ricketts or Theo Bear to be the guy to stand up. They don't really see Christian Dahomey, I guess, as the guy to lead the line. So in has come Brian White. Thoughts on this one, guys? Um, one thing I want to comment, I don't think if he was with the Whitecaps last year, he would not have been the off most offensive player of the year um, because I think there were a lot more offensive players on the pitch last year. <laughs> um, but um, uh, I, I think that the uh, I think it's a decent signing. Yeah, maybe they gave up a little bit too much. I don't know what the value is of these things anymore. Uh, but if they're not going to be using this money, um, and if it's maybe maybe it's something that's expiring this year and they're not going to be using it, um, it's 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 good value to get use it to get a player. Maybe the Red Bulls are looking to bring somebody in mm. uh, that they need the money. So it, it, I think it's a good player. It's not costing them an international spot. That's a well, positive. Yeah, and it now frees up an international spot it's, with Egbo going to. Yes, field. so that that's helpful as well. So if you think of it, uh, they. The, you know they spent what 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 does the international spot go for now 150 or something no they're up at 250 to 275 so, so look at it this way they 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 were able to secure an international spot and they got a player for 400 yeah. so if you oh, look at it that way it's that, that's a fun way of looking at it actually I yeah so yeah so it's not that bad uh of a, of a and it's something that um it gives them a little bit of uh, a backup with uh, like a I don't know, proven goal scorer, but a very good goal scorer. He's averaging a goal every three games or something like that, which is all right um, I mean, in MLS. So 
overall, I think it's a decent move. Um, we'll see how he fits in with the club. How much playing time he get. is he going to be a regular? Is he going to be coming off the bench? Uh, that those are the things to look at right now. Well, that that's the thing, Zach. Because let's just presume that Cava is going away with Canada for the Gold Cup. White is going to get those starts in that time away. So it's up to him to then show in that brutal month of July that he can be the guy to help lead the Whitecaps line. Do you see him playing with Cava or do you feel it's an either-or situation with him? And what, what do you think of the deal altogether? Oh, I mean... Aside from the some of the stuff Steve sort of said there in terms of, you know, the spots open up and available and whatever, and the fact that I think it, the, a part of this is Egbo going on loan, which I think is good for him, and proves our preseason uh, post-draft talk quite correctly, or quite accurate. Um, aside from those positives, I don't, I think it, it feels like too much money for, for this player. Like, it mm. And again, I might be, I might be wrong, and he might be lights out, or you know, might really fill the net and whatever. But it feels it feels too much. It's four plus possibly one, right? Yeah, yeah. So that so that's, the, the one's conditional, so it's going to be appearances, goals, all that and, kind of stuff. Yeah, and now I know that, like, I know that the the deals once you were allowed to trade for gam and stuff. I know there's been quite a spectrum of you know what a player has gone for or who's gone for how much and all that kind of stuff so i feel like it's not really fair to compare this amount to some of the other deals that yeah. have been done um so i'm not going to do that but it just feels like not that good of a deal not that good of a deal and definitely not that like it's not a, like this is i mean we're, we're months away at least from people being in the stadium to watch the white sorry people being in the stadium in canada to, watch the white Caps play, to, to play games this is this is this isn't gonna sell any tickets. This isn't gonna move anything. This isn't gonna excite yeah, anyone. Yeah, it got quite a mixed reaction online. Like in the White Cat supporters Facebook group, there were so many folk going "who," which yeah. is understandable because, as I've complained about, people don't know about the league because the games aren't getting shown here. Because how many yeah. Red Bulls games get shown here that people's gonna watch and have seen what this guy can do? Because he can do it. Yeah. Ultimately, if I was to sum it up in one word, I'd say this is underwhelming. Yeah. It, but, but to answer to answer your other question, uh, it, it, I think what you'll see, if Mark continues with wanting to have two central strikers, I think you'll likely more likely to see White when he's at, you know, uh, up to fitness and up to what the team's trying to do and stuff, which you would assume what's going to happen in this period where they don't have yeah. games. I, I would I could see him and I could see White partnering Cava up top when when Cava's available in here, and then putting Dahomey uh, wide with uh, Caicedo, and and that being the approach. Um, if yeah, but if it's one or the other, obviously Cava's going to start, and then when Cava goes, you're right. It does look like they brought in White to be Cava's fill in with. You know, Toe Saint and and Theo not being trusted to do that. Yeah, yes. and if only and if only they could have made this deal before that Ogden game or whatever that the team was called, they, they probably would have scored in that game if he was in that lineup for sure. Um, I I see him as being also that type of striker that can be. Uh, now I know I don't know how much he's played wide, but he can be one of those guys that can uh, uh, like swap out 
once in a while and where Dahomey can play in the middle if they play three at the front or something like that. So uh, and if Cavallini's gone during the Gold Cup, which it sounds like he is, which I was surprised about. Yeah, uh, but because well, it looks like they're going to be taking a, a fairly strong lineup. But I, th- I feel yeah. some of the European guys they're going to have deals yep. with the clubs, maybe not to take them. So a domestic yeah. like Cava looks to be a, a shoe in now. Like the, the, I still, I, I know I'm harvest on that. Why do they have to have the Gold Cup this year? It's like they have the qualifi- qualifiers. Uh, it's not like the U.S. is not in Mexico aren't going to be playing for something. They're playing for that Nations League thing. So there's plenty of things that people are playing for. I don't understand why they had to have it this year. It, it's not like it's not like there was enough things going on, anyways. Yeah, I mean, I, looking at transfer market, um, why? Listed as a, a centre forward, but can play right wing and left wing. So, okay, so he can. Yeah, so the, I mean, there's certainly a possibility of that. He's made five appearances this season, and he's got one assist and no goals. So for a guy that doesn't seem to be maybe that big in New York's plans, it's a good return for them. But as you mentioned, well, Steve, they're sitting on all this money. It's yeah. got to be used. And like word on the street from Axel Schuster is... It's hard to give up Gam at the moment because clubs aren't wanting it. Yeah, because they, they're probably having issues with bringing players in. The one thing is also, um, I think guys like, um, players like Dom Dwyer and and other players like that, when they were traded, weren't they traded for like almost a million? Yeah, in some Gam and Sam. Money so if you think about. of it, if you think of it, like Brian White at four or 500 is not that bad of a deal comparison to those guys. There was that one player that was traded from... Philadelphia to an expansion team or Chicago to an expansion that went for a million plus. There's been a few crazy million plus deals in the last couple of years. So yeah. Brian Brian White for me is not that bad, especially if it was the money that was going to expire. And if Axel Schuster is saying is correct is people aren't willing to take GAM anymore. Yeah. It's lost its value, especially with things like the new sort of under 23 player, the yeah. young player role and stuff, folk are more looking for that. I mean, the good thing about White, like to, to talk about the positives, he's young at 25. He's done it in MLS. He is a scorer. The big downside, which is still the big elephant in the room, is the same problem that Cavallini's got, the same problem that Dahomey has got. You need to get service to him. And yeah. I know we have missed some chances in front of goal this year, so there, there's a little bit of that as well. But you could bring in as many strikers as you want if you've not got this, which Mark talked about in our show last week, this big gap between the midfield and the attack that needs filling. They're desperate to fill it. It's still not filled. We're going to have to wait till July now. Axel's basically said this week they could maybe have got a deal done. But they thought, may as well wait now for the sake of a couple of games and do it once the transfer window opens on July 7th, cost-effective-wise. Worst thing, probably, for Axel to say with the reputation that the club has with some of the fan base. But until they get this guy in, you can bring in as many strikers as you want. It's going to be hard for them to succeed. Again, Axel is a victim of being in a system that is different, like a, a, a... The structure of the of the football system that he's coming from is different than here, where the comments he's made there make sense. Mm. And here, uh, in this system, in this city, they do, they don't make sense. They're counterproductive. And because you're right, it does make sense. You know, if you if you don't bring a DP until halfway through the year, or you don't bring a player to half the year, you're only charged for half their 
you know, their salary and all that. It, of course, that makes so much more sense. But you can't say that. Like, you can't say that publicly in this place when there's all these other things that have come been said before and are hanging over hanging over the the, the makeup of the team. I mean, we're we're going to be talking to to Axel this week, so we'll probably have him on on next week's show. But I mean, he he did speak to JJ Adams and our good friend Harjit Jahal this week as well. So some of the stuff that's come out of that around the number ten is the fact that they've had guys that's basically said to them, "How long are you going to be in Salt Lake for?" Because I, my wife wants to to work and find a job, but she doesn't want to have to do that twice. I totally get that. It's like, if you're a guy that's been wherever for a number of years and your wife's settled, A, it's a disruption anyway to, mm-hmm. to move your family to, a, to another continent. But then to have to then move twice in the space of who knows how long, that's a tough sell. There's apparently been guys saying, okay, I, I'm interested in coming. Speak to me once you know what's happening about getting back to Vancouver. And if I haven't found another club, we can get a deal done. They have apparently agreed terms with somebody, but it's still got to get sorted out with the other club who are waiting to find the replacement to that player. Whether that is Patrick that we talked about last week in Shakhtar Donetsk, I don't know, but it kind of fits that bill. But they said, because we've agreed terms with that guy, we can't go out and agree terms with somebody else as well in case they end up getting both of them. So it's just a mess. It's a lot to do, and I'm not, yeah, I'm not making, trying to make excuses for them because I think they should have done something by now. I feel like, oh, uh, but but the COVID stuff does play a big part, and the fact that they're in a different country, they're they might be coming back to Vancouver, they might not be. The games might be happening. It's all up in the air. I thought it might have been a benefit because I assumed that they'd be playing uh, the whole year in Salt Lake. Uh, or or in America, I thought it'd be a benefit because somebody would want to come to America mm. and then then come a year later. But I, I didn't. Mean, I, I didn't Ali Adnan would love to come to America, but he just can't get that visa. I, I didn't. I didn't expect because normally you hear of uh, wives and girlfriends of players, and they're usually not looking to get jobs. Um, um, that's more the, that's more the UK ones. With that yeah, that's not true. Have. I mean, no, I'm just. It was a joke. It was a oh. joke. Um, um, it's true though of the UK. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I think I think of the 2011. I was going me- to mention Kenny Miller. <laughs> 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 well, no, in, in 20 in 2011, you had uh, Julie Salinas who really wanted to work, but she couldn't, right? Like, yeah. So yeah, it it, it is yeah. A, it is an issue. Because I mean, it's all visas and stuff as well, and like we're making jokes about Ali, but I mean, I I feel for the guy because it's like he wants to come and play and he can't play. Axel said this week that. The, they have spoken to the league about it, but there's nothing that that can get done. It's all down to the Department of Homeland Security. It it's just starting to. Ha- I know it's like red flags here. It's like something's not right. So apparently, the Whitecaps let Ali go over on, on international duty early because he almost wasn't getting taken by Iraq because the Iraqi head coach felt that he was so out of shape that he and he hadn't been playing since November that he it was a risk so they've let him go to go and get fit and then it's like the the feeling apparently is that Ali's value now is really low because he hasn't been playing so they want him back here playing so they can sell him on but his deal is at the end of the year they have a a one-year option 
But it's like, if they try to get rid of him this summer, they're not going to get now what they would have got maybe even six months ago for him. Well, they're, yeah. they're going to be they're going to be wanting him to play lights out with Iraq. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, they need, need that, that badly. But getting this number ten in or the attacking eight, false nine, centre back with a good foot, false something. It, it's one of the pieces that we desperately need. We spoke last week, so we won't go into it again. We still maybe need to address the left wing. We still need to address the centre back. But it we're running out of time, really. Because whoever comes in now, if you think about it, in July, they're going to take a bit of time getting up to fitness. I don't think the quarantine's probably going to be that big an issue in the US, depending on where they come from. But then they they have to get match fitness. They have to get chemistry with the, the team. So you could be talking third, fourth week of July before we have this number 10. Yeah. And we spoke about how brutal July is. And then it's leaving you not much time. The Whitecaps have to keep in touch this whole... The, the next probably 10 games for, for June and July are season-defining for, for the team. And the worst-case thing about this, too, is at this point now, um, um, based on things we've heard, not, not inside stuff, but like stuff you hear out there, is this a player that's going to be fitting MDS's system? Oh, yes. because is, is he going to be here for next year? Or is this going to be an Axel-type player who who's looking to establish the style of play? I know MDS, when he came here, they said they're going to establish a player, a style of play that when the next coach comes in, that's the style they're going to play every time. Yeah, they want to have the Whitecaps way. Yeah, but is that even possible now? I don't know, because the Whitecaps way hasn't worked so far. So well, I mean, let, let's, be- let's be honest. If someone was to to put a gun to our head and say, tell me what the Whitecaps way is just now, you'd be like, um, I don't really know. They kind yeah, of want to pray. They don't have the players that do it. I, I'd be like, let me at least call my loved ones one last time. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you do raise a good point there because it's it's sounding more and more that MDS might not be here next year. Barring a lights out performance and a great run in and making the playoffs and turning this team around. It, I think like you, like your interview with him, it seemed like he was resigned to the fact that he probably won't be here next year. He, he, he seemed less upbeat than usual, but I think being yeah. with your family it, is going to do that. That can play a part. Yeah. But I mean, Axel, the way that he spoke this week to, with JJ in the piece that he wrote was basically around the lines of, we're not looking for a new coach uh, that hasn't been discussed. I expect Mark to be here for the rest of this season. Didn't the talk re- about the future, but said, yeah. obviously, it's a result. I'm paraphrasing this bit. It's a results-driven business. Basically, he has to show now in these next couple of months that he is the man to lead this team. Look, I, it, maybe this goes without saying, but I, I find it frustrating. And we've talked about this many times in many different ways. But that, that phrase, results-based business, in Vancouver especially, needs to move beyond the players and the coaches. Like, it's so frustrating that you can have people in management at, at this organization use that against other people and not live, live it out themselves. It's still, I think, on my Twitter thing as my pinned tweet or whatever, Carl Robinson's 
uh, that one time I had that like hour long conversation with oh, Michael. Yeah. And he, one of the things he said was, if you, if you're in football, you have to, you have to be able to take responsibilities. What he essentially was saying. And there's, there are a number of people in Vancouver who there's zero accountability for. Well, and, the thing, and, the and thing they, is, and they are not getting the results and they are, they are still here. The thing is for me about that comment about them not looking for a coach is because I think they already know who, like if, if <laughs> I think they already have one on staff that they would probably appoint right away. And that's Ricardo Clark. Yeah. So I think that they don't need to really look for a coach because they already have somebody lined up. I mean, questions are getting asked of Mark and rightly so, because he hasn't had a great two and a half years tenure. If you're looking at, at results, things have changed behind the scenes in the club and they've got a better scouting department, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's all great. But I think you genuinely also have to ask questions of Axel Schuster and the yes. recruitment. Because it's not just Mark DeSantis that's bringing these guys in. Yeah, he's maybe not... Not now. now, yeah. He's maybe not getting the best out of them or just something isn't working or something's missing. But you got from Mark last week how frustrated he is by not getting this number 10. And Axel is frustrated as well. But ultimately, Axel's job is to deliver this number 10. I I, I think with Axel, yeah... it is disappointing that he hasn't done more. And I think we've said at least once before, we've all said it once is like, it's really disappointing that he hasn't used the contacts, connections, loose connections he has from his previous places of employment to bring any players in from that context. Like, yes. Okay. Maybe it's more expensive or, or whatever. There, There are reasons why you might not want to, but surely it's shocking that a German player or a player mm. with Bundesliga connections has not come to the club when you bring in a guy who spent so much time at two significant Bundesliga. But he said that he's been contacted by players, but they don't fit. The players that want to come here or have got in touch with him aren't the kind of players or the positions of the players that he wants to bring here. But that, that's that's fine. That's fine. That's good that he said no to them, I guess. But surely you'll be able to find someone who fits what they're trying to do here from the many years and the many connections that he's had. Totally. I mean, that's something I'll, I'll ask him like next week. And it's hard to get excited about this team just now. That That's the thing. And I don't know what it's going to take to, to get folk excited about the team because ultimately the plan is the Whitecaps are hoping to have games August or September at BC Place, hopefully in front of fans. We'll come to that in a sec. They are going to have games, their last three games, potentially their last three games, but definitely three games, their three home games in Utah, two against the LA Galaxy and one against RSL. I can see that backfiring on them. That's not going to give them a lot of a home crowd advantage. I'm not sure they really thought that through, but they're going to be open to fans. A limited number of tickets available. They said it says a thank you for the, the support that the community has given the Whitecaps. I'm not sure a thank you gift is going to have to watch the Whitecaps, but still, I mean, that that's that's something different. But I mean, that that's good. They're going to get some folk cheering them on. Maybe not in that RSL game, though. Yeah, then, that's, the one that, uh, that's the one that's definitely not going to be cheered for. I can see them definitely galvanizing to cheer against, uh, against the LA yeah. Galaxy and everything. That shouldn't be a problem at all. But then the plan is, obviously, as I said, to be back here fingers crossed, border opening, all the stuff that we've talked about before. But here's my question to you guys. 
yes, some folk are going to just can't wait to get back because they've not been at a live sporting event forever. And it feels like forever. 18 months. How do you sell this team to the the rest? And it might not be for this season. It might be for next season. How do you get the media interested in this team? Because there is next to zero coverage apart from the bloggers, podcasts like ourselves, and the, the great stuff that JJ does with the province. The, the TV's not really covering them. The radio's left's not really covering them much. How do you get people excited about the Whitecaps for the rest of this season? Is it just results on the pitch? Is it If it's a winning team, is that going to do it? And if it's not a winning team, how do you do it? Well, one, extreme, uh, it has to be something extreme for it to get people excited at this point. They have to either do something like huge on the pitch where they just go on an unbelievable run. Um, even like a win here, win there is just not going to do enough or it has to be something off the pitch. And we discussed stuff off the pitch before of what needs to change. Um, so those are the, really the only two things. And the off the pitch is not a coach, by the way, if anybody is wondering. It's not a change of coaching that, that will get people excited. Um, the, those are the only things that can really do it at this point. They need something. Uh, if you recall... There was a certain person that was hired that got people excited, but they got rid of them pretty quick. So that yeah. that's the type of example of thing I'm talking about. Somebody in a leadership role above and beyond uh, what Axel... Because Axel Schuster, like, he might be doing a good job at that role, but he shouldn't be doing that role because he should be doing something in scouting where he doesn't have to worry about things that are higher up off the pitch. Like, he should be doing stuff that's team-related, player-related. Um, and he's just got too much probably on his plate now. Hopefully it's not, but I feel like he probably does. Yeah, Steve, uh, I, yeah. I can't agree with you more, Steve. Like, it, it was it was crazy to me how how Mark Panis was able to turn around the feelings around the Whitecaps amongst both uh, engaged supporters and just ca the casual uh, fan in Vancouver. And it had a lot to do with... Um, truth and honesty and openness um, holding up your hand when things got were wrong um, and not just a commitment to do better, but then actually doing better. Um, and, and it was crazy to me, like uh, to see and to observe and to like, even my, my caring uh, peaked a little bit with Panis because I cared a little bit more because there was someone who was actually, trying to do things in the right way. Yeah, he was, he was engaging with people online oh, exactly. and it was oh, yeah. so rare here for that to have happened. He was, he was engaging with people online. He was engaging, engaging with people in person. And yeah, there are, I mean, there are people, I think it was on the show. I think when you did the interview with Johnny Monster a while ago, who, who's a person who has said publicly, like, yeah, I won't go back while this front office is still the way it is. Like, yeah. I, I just won't go back. I can't go back or I choose not to go back or out of principle or whatever. Like, there are people who are like that. And I, aside from that, I agree. It won't take a couple wins. It'll take like them rising like to the top of the table or something, which doesn't seem possible. Or doing the other thing, which I don't think they, I don't think is necessarily they should do, but they, I can see them if not doing it this year, maybe next year is like, or if they don't get a, if, if for some reason MDS stays beyond this year, then next year the, the last play for them has to be signing someone with a name who will put 
put people in seats. So just to be clarified, when I was talking about Axel a while ago, I wasn't talking about just bringing over Bundesliga players that people have heard of or will be excited about. I just meant bringing over quality from yeah. the quality league. Because when I spoke to Axel last year, he talked about, oh, they were working on maybe a, a, a link with a German club. So that's something I'll, I'll bring up with him to see where has that gone? Yeah. Obviously, covid might have put a complete dampener on that for now, but but if 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 if, if people are allowed in September to go to BC Place and watch games, whether it's two hundred fifty people or five thousand people or whatever it is, um, yeah, I don't. I, I think there there are people who are going to go because yeah, they if, love it, if it's limited numbers, they'll sell that out. Oh yeah, if it's anything below their you know self imposed twenty two and a half thousand or whatever, yeah. But the, the people who are going to go are the people who just love the Whitecaps and they. Uh, don't care about you know the results or whatever. They're just gonna they're they're there no matter what. Their people are gonna go because they can go out and do stuff again, right? But beyond that, uh, yeah, I, I don't I, I don't think there's a lot drawing people in to who the Vancouver Whitecaps are and what they're trying to do. Uh, that's that's the worry I have for them, and because they need to do a lot of work, and Axel is the CEO as well as the sporting director. He's already got his work cut out as sporting director trying to get this team turned around on the pitch, never mind having to lead it off it. And yeah, there's lots of teams under him and they've hired all these other folk. But still, that is a lot to, to have on, on your plate. And I think he would have hoped that things were much further ahead by this point that, than they are. Last thing we'll talk about to do with Whitecaps and, and MLS is... The Athletic had a, an interesting piece this week, and they've been on this from the start, but it looks like from next season, MLS, the Athletic say that they're in the advanced planning stage of a lower division league, which is basically going to be an MLS reserve league, and it's to be the, the missing link between the academies and the first team. We had the old MLS reserve league, of course, back when the, first cap, when the Whitecaps first joined the league, then there's been all the MLS two teams and USL, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Plan is to start in 2022. Not nothing else finalised by it, but it should still run like spring to autumn. There might be a postseason with playoffs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'll throw my hat in the ring now to get my WFC two uh, color commentator role back with Corey. That would be nice if you, if you're listening, Mister Whitecaps. Um, but everything else is great. It's interesting, though, they've said it's not going to likely be an under-23 league. There'll be no roster restrictions. So you can play any age, any player. I like that and I don't like that because I don't know how much development that then gives. But a club like the Whitecaps, you know, would be using it properly and they would be using it for their their under-23 players on the whole and then maybe some of the other guys that's not regular first-team guys. I like it. I think it's long overdue. I'm excited for it. And genuinely, you know me, I love to get out as much football as possible. Having another team to watch here, I think is great. Not sure my wife will think the same as she sits listening to this. I just want to know more about the logistics. Right now, I'm not sure how they're planning to organize this. Is it going to be like teams going in at the same time and then playing like a next day or something like that? I don't know. To yeah, me, I don't it's know. just more of the same that has happened before. So I don't. To me, I'm just I'm not sure if it's going to work or not. I mean, um, because it, it would it be great times. to to have like Whitecaps go and play Portland one day. They play 
Uh, the reserve team, one day they play the first team. Obviously, logistics sometimes, depending on when the games are, what fields are available, etc., etc. It makes for a great day out. We've had that in Portland. We saw Mustafa Jarju score a goal in, in Portland for the reserves the day after the, the MLS game. I, I'd like to see a bit more as well. In theory, I'm excited by it, Zach, but it has to have substance. It can't just... Like the old MLS Reserve League was a waste of time. Let's be honest. Well, well that's what I was going to say to you. Like, what makes this different than that? And what makes this different than the the, the USL the USL thing? Like, to me, um, it's kind of frustrating that it's taken MLS so long to try and get this figured out and actually do it, like, well. Like, yeah, because well, no, the MLS 2 era in USL has not worked. No, and it, it if anything, it's devalued USL a little bit, which is which is unfortunate. But I, I think, yeah, uh, it, like it's been no, it's it, this is not news that there's a gap between academy MLS academies and MLS first team, right? That, that's not a, that's not a, that's not a new thing. Like that's not, and that's not a surprising thing. And that's not like when you look at football clubs around the world, that's that's there is there is something between yeah. those two levels right so but it, the advantage it, of clubs around the world is you can bring like a guy yeah, a guy yeah. that does well in the academy you can reward him by sticking him on the bench for a first team game stuff like right. that you, yes. you can't do that in yeah. mls the structures in in other places around the world are, are much more helpful but I, I like yeah what's going to make these games meaningful what's going to make people want to go watch them michael like mm. you saw wfc2 which was obviously hindered by being at UBC, um, you know, the, being out in, in a place that's not easy to get to, no, no real, not good transit. Um, but like, yeah, I don't. What's what's going to make people want to go watch these games? Well, to be than- honest, I don't know that the the idea is to get folk to watch it. It's more just for the like. I, I'm excited to watch, and I'm talking about like commentating on it. They might not even oh, film the games. So, yeah, if uh, there's no expectations no. on it that, that way, then oh, I, th- I think it's just good. to get playing time for the players. I, oh, I don't think it's to, to it's not really like if folk want to go and watch it great. And if they don't, I don't think anyone cares. Hardly anyone goes to watch, for example, the Premier League under 23 teams. Right. So, okay, well, that, that's good. Uh, those but, games kick off like 11 o'clock in the morning sometimes. So it's more just to get the game time and the experience and, and development for the younger guys. That, that's good, and that's fine. But it does go against the things that both this this organization and the league have said in the past of it's much better to have your, your second team, your reserve team, playing in a league where there's competition, where there's crowds, where there's fanfare, where there's all these things that go into it that make it more like a first-team match. So What, what the athletic article... What the athletic article says as well, though, is they don't know where the games could even be at the training things, but they have to be wherever they play them. They have to be capable of having high broadcast capabilities, and they can also possibly use this league as a way of implementing things that they want to maybe bring into MLS, so they can try out and experiment some some things in that as well. So, I mean. In theory, it sounds good, but like Steve, I'd like to see a lot more of it. Apparently, the CSA have approved uh, the three Canadian teams can have a a, a team in this because basically it is just a a reserve league for for MLS. So I'm sure more will come out on that soon. So we'll keep an eye on that. But that is it for this part. That's it for the Whitecaps and MLS chat. We're going to be back chatting about Canada and the CPL and the national team after this.
Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's exciting, it's a new month, which means it's new Artists of the Month here at AFTN. And I know how much you all enjoyed my Russian music from a few months ago. So we've gone back to Russia, a little bit of a hat tip to the Euros being on, because St. Petersburg in Russia is hosting group games in two different groups. But anyway, what you've heard there is a band we've played before, but they're now officially Artists of the Month. It's Moscow Death Brigade from their second album, Bolt Cutter, and that was Straight Out of Moscow, Part 2. And we'll have a lot more from Moscow Death Brigade in the coming weeks. You enjoy that one, guys? Yeah, good one. Hmm. Hmm, says Zach. Anyway... Moving all the way from Russia to another red country, it's Canada, because we are going to talk a little bit about Canada's impressive 7-0 win over Aruba. Was it impressive? Could it have been more? I had them pegged for 14. I'm a little bit disappointed, I'll, I'll be honest. What? A brace for Lucas Cavallini. He's found his scoring chops again. It's amazing what happens when he gets service. He just... Uh... I think I don't know how updated this is, but if either he's passed or he just won behind Tosin Ricketts now for fourth oh. in scoring for the national team. That's an interesting one. But yeah, I, mean, I don't know how I don't know how updated. How, I just looked on Wikipedia, so I don't know how updated that is. If somebody went there, updated recently. We won't go too much into the the game because if you want to hear us going into the game, check out our YouTube channel. We did a live watch along, the three of us and Will Silver. It was a lot of fun. We talked a bit about the game. We talked a lot about Canadian football in general, one soccer, just anything and everything around that. Check that out on AFTN's YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash AFTN Canada. Steve, working the OBS system for our first time. And I thought it looked pretty good. I was very impressed by it. I think it looked very professional. Well done, Steve. No crashes. No, no <laughs> crashes from our stream, but apparently one soccer... Now, I'll say I didn't experience any crashes. I watched it on my Roku device, which did mean I was about 30 to 40 seconds behind you guys watching it online, but at least mine didn't crash. Seven or eight crashes, I think, the, the one soccer stream had, and a lot of unhappy punters online. 
Yeah, I had about six on mine that I had to reboot the. But it was just really re refreshing the browser, and then it would come on right away. Yeah, I mean, unfortunate, especially when folk are, are paying for it, and there's been a lot of disquiet really uh, about the one service having these games or one soccer rather having these games and the service that they provide and it not being uh, available to, to to a wider audience and yeah none, none of this helps with that and we, we went into that on the stream so we won't go into it too much just now but it, it's disappointing we said this was the ideal kind of game a saturday afternoon in vancouver early Saturday evening out in the, the East Coast. This was the ideal game to make free on their YouTube channel to kind of maybe say, this is what our production quality is like. This is what we do at halftime, pre-game, post-game. I think it was a missed opportunity because I can't see too many people that would have signed up just for this game. So this was a chance to maybe get get people in. What do you think? Yeah. Go ahead, Zach. Yeah, no, I, I mean, what you say makes sense, Michael. And we've, uh, yeah, I think we've talked about this like uh, in varied ways over the years about well, them making, whether it's the Canadian games available or um, the CPL games available to draw more people in because they're, the access is limited. Um, and so, yeah, it's unfortunate that uh, not everyone got to watch this. It's uh, extremely unfortunate that those who have paid money to watch this experienced uh, technical dif difficulties. Uh, I only had one crash, um, unlike Steve's, what is seven or whatever. But um, yeah. It, 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 and Steve is like, to be serious, not even being facetious, Steve was a new subscriber for tonight. Yeah, so we, we could do I the did. watch along. That is not a good first impression for you. No. Well, I, I, I had it. I remember having it uh, when it first came out for mm. um, like, I think a month or two. I can't remember uh, just to try it out. And then, yeah, I signed up today. I, I basically signed up for a month because one day was $6 and uh, one month was $10. So why not just sign up for yeah, a month? Because there's going to be hopefully four Canadian games and you, yeah. I don't think you'll get this. You might get the start of the gold cup because there's the preliminary rounds in that. But I mean, let's get back to the game. It was seven nil. 3-0 at halftime, a brace from Lucas Cavallini, penalty from Junior Hoylet, who did pick up an injury. Second half goals from Brogiard, Alfonso Davies came on, he got a goal. Kyle Larn came on, he got a goal. Jonathan David came on, he got a goal. Yeah. Now, we talked about this during the, the watch-along, and John Herman addressed it afterwards. He was nervous, and he was watching the game basically through his fingers by bringing those guys on just in case there, there was an injury, but he felt he needed to kind of give them a, a, a run out. It was a risk. It was a risk that paid off. They got a goal. They got a little bit uh, of playing time, get some maybe lag out of their legs. So all in all, it was a good day at the office. Everything went well. Junior Hoylet's injury aside, it, it was it was pretty much all you could ask for. They're top of the group. They just need a draw against Suriname. On Tuesday, they've got an extra day's rest. But as we've said before, if we're talking about this team as potential World Cup qualifiers, we shouldn't even be worried about games against Suriname, surely. Yeah, it, it, it was definitely a win. Like I said during the broadcast, I was worried that our our stream was going to crash more than Canada losing. to. Yeah, and uh, ours was fine. Aruba. As far as we know, it didn't go down at all. And Aruba was fine too, uh, beating them. But it was... Uh, 
like the the couple the, the goals in the first half, I felt like I felt like Canada was going really at half pace, and then when the substitutions happened, uh, when David came on and Davies came on, then it seemed to pick up a little bit. Mm. Davies actually picked up a foul that looked scary at first, uh, yeah. but then it came a foul. Um, it well, seemed sure, like I mean, they it shows were... you their quality because they added yeah. that, that spark to it. Yeah, and they made it. Then at that point, it was a little bit too easy. Yeah, uh, the way they scored goals, the three goals, and and they did give it to Davies. I thought it was a yeah. own goal, but so far it's his goal. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I it, it it's just, it's gonna be interesting to see how they play today and how it's gonna relate to the next game when they play against. Uh, well, that that's the thing, Zach, because it was pretty much a second string team that they put out. They had the luxury of doing that, and like John Herdman had talked about it on on Friday. It's like he felt. The, with the games coming thick and fast and the next three games being the massive games that he didn't really have the luxury of playing his top guys in this just to get a run out and to work on things in case there was injury, in case there was fatigue. So he, he went with the, the lineup that was going to get the job done. I mean, it was still a strong lineup on paper, a lot of quality in there, guys that's won cups and, and tournaments and stuff th- this year. It is a nice position to have for Canada to have a second string team that can go out there, get the job done, and just kind of relax a little bit. Yeah, and like it was just fun to watch, and yeah, I think that was partly because we were together and chatting. Yeah, and- that was why we did it today because it was yeah. you knew it was a no pressure game, so you kind of have a little bit of fun and just talk about other stuff. Yeah, so I just I really I really enjoyed it and. I, I, even though I won't be able to watch everything live on Tuesday, I'm really looking forward to what's going to happen on Tuesday. Um, Do you have concerns at all? Um, I, uh, no. I, I don't know, to be honest. No. I, I did for a little bit, just when you saw who everyone Suriname was adding, but then thinking about it, it's like, no, no. there should be no I, concern. I don't have concerns in the sense of we should not lose this team. And so uh, my cons- after I might have be concerned about the performance, but mm. I don't have concerns about losing the team because we shouldn't. And we're 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 a superior footballing nation. We have better players or better form uh, in, in their prime. Yes, yeah, like, that's the yeah, biggest thing. Suriname's added older older guys. That, yeah, they've got experience. Yeah, they've played in the top league in, in Holland, but they're getting on a bit and they haven't played together much. Yeah. Yes, so I'm not, I'm not I'm going into Tuesday. I'm not concerned. the The Haiti game uh, should have come to that, or uh, when they play Haiti, that that'll be uh, again not a concern for me. But that'll be uh, an interesting endeavor because of their recent results against Haiti. But I think yes. that they will be so jacked for that game because this is not a uh, like last time with a Gold Cup or whatever. This is a a World Cup game, and it's a you know like do or die kind of thing, and so. I think that they're going to be uh, so enthusiastic to set things right from what happened last time. But that see, that's, I, a, that's a good word. I'm confident going into that. Because like the enthusiasm that David Davies and Lauren showed when they came on was great to see. Because mm-hmm. like the game was gone. They could have been thinking, oh, I'm a bit worried in case maybe pick up an injury or something here. But they wanted to score. They wanted to... And they, they could easily had another two or three as well. They had some great opportunities. I think it was Kyle Larn that blasted over from within the six-yard box at the end as well. So, I mean, they had great opportunities. Aruba were tiring. They were giving the ball away. Yeah. Suriname, they, they should get by easily. John Herdman's talked them up because he has to. Because he has to make it 
signed that 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 they're a threat, so that Canada and the players don't go into it too easy, or or maybe take their eye off the ball or underestimate them. The the thing at the back of my mind always is it's cup football. I've watched the the FA Cup for enough years to know that every now and again there's a little underdog that has its day and causes a huge upset. I think this would be a massive upset if Suriname got the better of them. I am more concerned possibly for the next game. It's going to be Haiti or Nicaragua. So it, it, basically it's a shootout on, on Tuesday between Suriname and Canada. Canada just need a, po- a point, a draw. It's also a shootout between Haiti or Nicaragua in their group. They're tied in points. Haiti's got two goal better goal difference. So they just need a draw as well and it's in Haiti. So it should probably be Haiti against Canada in a two-legged tie. That's going to be interesting. But I, I feel like Nicaragua is a little closer to Haiti than than what yes than, than what Suriname should be to yeah, Canada. That's I'd the agree. thing. Like I like that. And the funny thing is, is I, I was just looking at the score lines uh, for today's games. The seven-nil score line was the uh, not even the worst defeat. It's not even the fourth, the top three. Of the worst defeats today in Concacaf, uh, Panama oh, wow. beat Anguilla thirteen nil. Uh, Curacao beat British Virgin Islands eight nil, and Haiti beat Turks and uh, Caicos. Yeah, Caicos Islands ten nil. Yeah. So what's five against each? And then El Salvador beat uh, US Virgin Islands seven nil today. So Ooh, not a good really, day for virgins. Yeah, not a good day. Oof. Torn apart, but it's gonna be. It's going to be fun on Tuesday. It's exciting because it's a it's a game that really means something. There's a lot on the line. Now, John Herdman's going to approach this in a way that he knows they need a business-like performance and you're going to get his top team out there. If they're coasting, do you take the risk of pulling those guys off and putting on some of the other guys to save them a little bit? Because against Haiti, what went wrong was maybe a little bit of complacency. Then Haiti got a goal back, then got in the ascendancy, and then the, the wheels came off. I don't think it will happen against against Suriname, but what what's no, your predictions? I, I think they should win. I think it'll be maybe a 3 to uh, three nil win or a 4-0 win, maybe. Um, I think that's the most it'll be. Uh, I'm probably leaning more to, towards 2 uh, for Canada. 2-0 oh. no one. I don't think... Uh, certain I will be able to get on the board. If this is our prediction time, I'm saying Canada needs to win at least three now. See, I, I've thought four now. I've been quite quite confident and optimistic of four now. Defending, I mean, Suriname's got a bit of a threat. They could sneak one, but I'll go for four now. Of course, that game will be on one soccer. We talked about all the games being on one soccer. The Gold Cup is going to be on one soccer. If you're thinking about taking out a one soccer subscription, this is the time to do it because you've got these Canada games. You're going to have, hopefully, the Octagon qualifying coming up as well. And then you've got the the Gold Cup in the summer. But you're also going to have a made-for-TV tournament can you class one soccer as TV when it's not on your TV? That that was the thing I was wondering about that. But what we're talking about... What was that? It was on my TV today. Oh, Technically, it was on mine as well through my Roku, but yeah. what I'm talking about, if you haven't heard, the CPL is back, baby, and it's back somewhat, maybe surprisingly, during the Euros. 
is that the time that you want to launch your, your league's tournament when all the eyes around the world is on the Euros and then the Gold Cup coming up? It seems a, a strange time to launch it, but I guess they had to launch it sometime yeah. because of COVID. Yeah, there's no good time at this point. But the thing is, with the Euros, is a lot of those games are going to be over. And maybe people are still looking to get a fix on yeah. soccer. And they'll there, buy there's going to be a couple in. of clashes with the early games because there's going to be some games at 11 a.m. So, uh, Eastern time. So, yeah. that is... Or, sorry, 2, 2 p.m. Eastern time or 11 a.m. Pacific time. So, that is going to be clashing with some of the games. But, would, but would, I mean, that, that is... That's foolish. Like, if you're doing this on one soccer, you should have no barriers uh, TV-wise or broadcast-wise, and yeah. they should, none of these games should be against any Euro game. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, let, let's think, what team, like... Euro games all on TSN, these games on a pay service. Yeah, yeah, there's no competition then. Yeah. But basically, in short, the CPL season is getting underway on June 26th. All the games initially for the first month are, are going to be in Winnipeg, Manitoba, which genuinely surprises me. I mean, we'd, we'd heard during the week from Sergio Camargo that he basically leaked all this and then had to delete his tweet. But Winnipeg and Manitoba are going through a big COVID boom at the moment. Cases are going up. I think 80% of the cases in Manitoba are in Winnipeg. It's in a lockdown. So you're having a bubble tournament there where the players are all going to stay in their cohorts and they'll only mix with other teams when they're playing matches. So, I mean, the CPL have shown they can do well in a bubble tournament and not have big outbreaks. That was in PEI, though, where there wasn't a lot of cases. You're going to a, a province where there is a lot of cases. Any concerns about that? Not a lot. Not a lot. I think they handled things pretty well in in PEI. And even though there are elements that are different this time, I think they, I think I, I'm trusting of them to, to handle, handle it uh, well this time as well. Um, will they, uh, I, I think they had zero cases in their, in their bubble last time. Yeah. You know, does that mean, will they be able to hold on to that impressive, uh, you know, record or whatever? Maybe not, but uh, I trust them. Fingers to, crossed. I, I trust them to have this thing, you know, uh, go off without a hitch. Well, players will be tested before the tournament, and then they'll be tested weekly as as well. So, right. I mean, that, that this tournament, I'm calling it, but it's basically it's the start to the season. Every game's getting played in in Winnipeg. It runs from June 26th to July 24th. There'll be 32 games in total. Each club will play eight matches. I mean, I'm excited by it because I've been dying for the league to get back. We'll get some interviews lined up in the build-up to this now as well that we, we know it's coming back. But I mean, even the time that that's running is during the Gold Cup. Those matches are more going to be at night. I don't know how much clashes there's going to be with that. I mean, they had to start sometime. It was never going to be an ideal time to, to, to come, but are you excited at least to get it back? Yeah, uh, it's, it's good for the league. Uh, they needed to bring it back, otherwise... You have too much of a gap from the previous thing. I think they should have you know, looked at it, bringing it earlier. Um, it would have been ideal. Um, so it's good for the league it's in their growth. And it's good for the players because they have been sitting on their butts for way too long. Oh, yeah. And it's cost some people jobs, too. Uh, yeah. They've had to cancel contracts because of it. 
Yeah, I, I mean, if you ask me, in, in am I more excited in September to go to BC Place to watch some football or more excited to go to the place formerly known as West Hills to watch some football? Um, yeah, I'd definitely be more excited to go watch a Canadian Premier League game on, on the island. Yeah, I mean, like after July 24th, the clubs are going back to their, their home markets with the hope that they can then get games in front of fans. A, a lot needs to happen in that time for... For that to be the case, but I mean, fingers crossed. The opening weekend on the Saturday, there's two games. 11 a.m. Pacific time, FC Edmonton are taking on Ottawa. And then the big one for us out west, 2 p.m. Pacific time, which doesn't clash with any Euro game, so that's good. Pacific FC taking on Halifax. On the Sunday, you've got Forge FC taking on Valor. And then you've got Cavalry FC taking on, I was going to say York 9, but it's York United. So they're going to announce the full schedule on Wednesday, June 9th. Monday, June 7th is going to be the official unveiling of the 2021 CPL kits. I liked the 2020 kits, I, but I thought they would maybe have kept that for, for another season, considering there wasn't really a full season. I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad it's back and... I just hope we can get fans to the, the games. All these games are going to be shown exclusively, though, on One Soccer. So there's no arrangement to show any on CBC or any of the local broadcasting partners, at least not as of now. That concerns me for getting people's interest in it. I've already spoken before that I've been on media calls where there's like two or three of us on the call. Media buying into this is going to be tough. Media during a Gold Cup. I mean, e even the Canada calls, there's not like tons of media on, on the national team calls. So I think it's going to be a hard sell for the league, but I'm excited that it's back. The fans are excited. Fingers crossed it goes off without a hitch and we're going to get a full season anyway. 32 games, that's what they're still looking at. But that is it for this part. That's it talking about Canada. We've got one more part to go. We're not doing a Euros preview in this episode. We might do a Euros preview uh, as an extra podcast. We'll have a little chat about that. We'll, we'll see what we do. We will be talking Euros though over the coming weeks. But when it's Euros, when it's a big tournament, there's always lots of football songs. And you know we love our football songs here at AFTN on Wavelength. So I'm going to bring you a chat with a guy that's written one of the many Scotland songs for this Euro Championship. Just chatting about that and the art of writing a football song. We'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Mark Anthony Kay and you're listening to the AFTN Radio Show. I don't know what they're saying Maybe I'm too nice I but you're not make me leave. And I'll never forget you To think I would As if I could Ever find anyone like you again Georgie Best Superstar 
Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's a song from 1995. A not very well-known band from England called Nylon Bombers from their self-titled debut album. That was a song called Superstar. And I'd kind of stumbled across that. I mentioned last year that I was sorting through my CD singles, which I did promise to give away to somebody and I haven't forgotten. I will be giving away the ones that I've decided not to keep. Just have not got around to dropping them off yet. But in amongst all the CD singles that was playing was that classic song. I'd forgotten all about it. I loved that at the time. It mentions a couple of footballers at the start. Not enough, though, for us to include it in Wavelength, but a good song to include nonetheless. Name-checking lots of great characters from the UK over the years and lots of folk from my childhood. It's been all about superstars this weekend for the Canadian national team. I'm sure we're going to have a lot of superstars rising to the fore as the Euros kick off this week as well. And talking of the Euros, we might do a a Euros podcast for our extra subscribers or we we might bring out a normal one. We're still talking about that. But if you want to get your Euro fix ahead of it, especially that with a Scottish bent, check out my Scottish podcast, Glory Days of Gold. It's an East Fife and Scottish football podcast. You can find it on aftn.co.uk and on all the good places where you will find your podcasts. Myself, Lee, Gordon, and we're joined for this episode by former RSL player and former East Fife star, Kenny Duker, to chat about the Euros, Scotland's chances, look forward to the tournament as a whole, and a lot of fun football chat as well. So definitely check that out. So regular listeners will know that we always have our wavelength section on the show where we play a song about football. Back in January this year, on episode 426, we played the unofficial Scottish Euro anthem, There's No Team Like Scotland, by Neil Grant. And I'm delighted now to welcome on the show Neil himself to talk about the song, talk about the Euros that's coming up, and just talk about football songs in general. So thank you so much for joining us today, Neil. No problem. Great to be on, Michael. Neil is Scottish, as you can tell, so hopefully you'll understand this fully. Based, (laughs) though, in in Sweden. So excited for the Euros coming up? Very excited. You're very excited. Uh, I think we're almost two weeks away, so I've been counting counting the weeks down, and now I've uh, just got, you know, all the... The TV package is sorted out so I can view all the games at home because, you know, with corona restrictions, uh, you can't really see all the games in the pub. So I've been yeah. making sure. Yes, yeah, it's, it's weird. Scotland makes the, their first tournament since 1998. They're hosting games. It's not going to be a full house. You can't even get to the pubs fully to enjoy it. Although in the UK, I don't know because things keep changing there, so I'm not sure. I mean, what's it been like? We'll just kind of start off because we, we ask a lot of our guests this. What's it been like during this weird pandemic times in Sweden? Because I, I know Sweden was a country that didn't really go for lockdowns. Yeah, that's true. We haven't had a lockdown, so that, that's been unusual when I'm explaining it to Scottish friends or friends from around most of the world. The thing is, people are kind of 
uh, out of their own choice, uh, avoiding busy places and even though there was no laws against it. Uh, but we have had restrictions on gatherings and things like that. It's For the last while, it's been only, you know, eight people at a time can be together. And But I think, in fact, in two days' time, they're increasing it to 50 people again for events and things like that. But in general, it's just been a lot quieter in Sweden, but shopping centres and pubs have still been open. So it's, oh. yeah different now i mean i i know you're a musician so i mean this has been a, a time that that's really hit musicians hard it's obviously hit lots of, of people hard but i mean you must just be itching to to get back out and tour and back on the road again oh definitely yeah yeah we're expecting to i'm expecting to head out with a, a heavy metal band i'm playing with here in sweden out in october uh all going well so uh otherwise uh you know corona doesn't shut down home studios oh, you can still true. work <laughs> so. yeah and uh, you've been very busy you you've got as i mentioned there's an 18 like scotland the unofficial euro anthem for scotland but we'll come to that in a little bit i want to talk first of all just a little bit about though your, your musical background now you you come from a, a place in scotland the black isle which we were just chatting beforehand, I actually got married in the Black Isle, so a very small world, but I can imagine like growing up there in the highlands of Scotland, for anyone who doesn't know it, it's kind of north of Inverness, south of Dingwall, it's a very small place, and it's not really an island as such, it's more, a, I guess, a peninsula, but I, with your taste in heavy metal music, we're talking a little bit about punk and stuff before we started recording, that must have been an interesting place to grow up liking that kind of music. Yeah, yeah, it certainly was. But there's pros and cons of being uh, of living in a small place like that. Uh, firstly, those that are into that kind of music, you know, you know yourself, it's very few anyway. Yeah. But, but think about that times, you know, a hundred on a small peninsula. So those that are into the kind of underground cultures like that, then the, it really forms a tight network and a really fanatical network. So. Uh, I could probably count the amount of, you know, metal and punk fans around. So it made it for a really great tight group. But on the musical side, uh, because there's really not much to do <laughs> there <laughs> in the Black Isle, uh, you've, you've nothing better to do other than sit at home and play your guitar or play your drums. So, you, so you've got a chance to actually play your instrument and learn it. So win-win. Very true. And... You've written a, a number of football songs over the years, I think 10, 11, maybe more that you haven't released. I'm, I'm sure you've written some others. What got you into writing football songs? Oh, well, I think it was just a kind of a logical conclusion uh, in the, what was it, 2014, 2015. It was an idea I had toyed with for many years thinking, oh, I'd love to do a song for Scotland or a song for, you know, my local team. Or, uh, But it was only in 2015, I think it was, that I actually did it. <laughs> actually got my act together and thought, wait a minute, let's actually do this. Let's, let's write a football song uh, and combine my love of uh, football and music. So that was really it. Yeah, so I mean, the local team, 
for you is obviously Ross County, but you're also a Hearts fan, and you've written songs for both those teams. I know the Ross County one, it's it's played at their games, and the Hearts one, you actually got to perform it in front of a, a packed time castle, which must just have been an amazing experience for you. It was. It was one of the greatest days uh, of my life, you know, after my children being born, obviously. Uh, it was in... Uh, I have to say that for the wife listening in, of course. <laughs> <laughs> she won't be listening in, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyhow, yeah, the uh, it was an amazing experience, yeah, um, because by that point I had built up a bit of a repertoire. I'd done maybe six or seven songs for lower league clubs. Then I thought, right, let's, let's actually do one for the club of support. So... Uh, uh, that took on a whole different emotional context, you know, because yeah. you think, wow, this is, you know, I really put everything, tried to write the lyrics, make it as personal and as meaningful as possible. And I just, just followed my heart and did it the best I could. And uh, so I, I promoted it as much as I, I could, thinking the goal would be they'd maybe play it at a match and I'd be in seventh heaven just, just for them doing that. That was the project goal. But uh, after contacting the, the club and the the foundation of Hearts, that's the kind of uh, the, yeah the, the the group of people that uh, the fan ownership group. They got back to me saying, "Look, well, we like this song. Would you be interested in performing at Tyne Castle for the the annual Foundation of Hearts Day?" And I was, "Oh, wow! This is this is amazing!" You know, so I flew over to Scotland and uh, was really nervous. You know, during I had a sound check on the park to an empty stadium, and the sound was bouncing about everywhere. I'm thinking, oh God, I hope I can. I was struggling to hear myself uh, through the cordless mic uh, because I was playing to a backing track of myself. Oh yeah. So, uh, but thankfully, when the when the time come when time came to uh, sing on the park, I think the the people in the stadium absorbed the sound, so I could hear myself and I. Strangely, I wasn't all that nervous because uh, I was so focused and just kind of, uh, you know, when you play to a big crowd, you actually, you lose, you kind of forget you're playing to people. It's just, in in a strange way, it's more nerve-wracking playing to a hundred than it would be thousands because uh, you're not seeing individual faces. You just see a mass of, you know, so... I mean, oh, it, was, it was amazing. If you went back and told your younger self, one day you're going to play in the Tyne Castle pitch, you'd have probably thought, what, as a footballer, not as a musician, and it's like that. <laughs> that. That would be just great. Now, you can actually check all Neil's songs out on his YouTube channel, and it's Tweezer76. We'll, we'll mention this more at the end, and we'll put it up on the, the website as well. But in amongst those songs, which I found very obscure when I, I first discovered your channel, there's two songs about MLS teams, LAFC, Atlanta United... No Vancouver Whitecaps one, but we're going to work on you to maybe do something for that. But why? Why those two teams? Um, I think I was just blown away by the amount of spectators they get over there. Yeah, I was. I had done a well, load. Yeah, obviously, Atlanta's like seventy thousand at their stadium. Yeah, I was. I was. I was doing a bit of research after all the Scottish ones that I'd done, and I thought, where's another good, you know, market to take myself into here. I mean, where, where's football really popular uh, other than England, which I thought, you know, was in, impenetrable at that point. So yeah. 
I, so I thought, you know, Atlanta, I thought, how many spectators do they get? And I was blown away to see they've got, you know, 60-odd, 70,000. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, LAFC, I thought that's a just be cool to do one for LA because I was I was over there myself uh, with a, an old band playing and I thought, well, this is a, it's always been a bit of a, a childhood's cool place. If you you know listen to music and stuff, I thought, I'll do a song for LA. <laughs> Maybe they'll invite me over. <laughs> it, it's it's weird. Like I, I was explaining this to my wife because uh, like we grew up in Scotland and we, we see all this stuff in the telly about America and stuff and like I was so excited when I was driving over the Golden Gate Bridge in my own car because I was down on holiday. And then we were in LA and I was driving up Sunset Boulevard and Hollywood Boulevard. And it just blows your mind. It's like, I'm actually here driving in my own car up these streets. I mean, you try and explain that to folk here. My wife finds it weird as well. But like hearing you say that, it's just, it's just got this kind of magical quality about it. And LAFC in particular, like they're on a football sense, they're fans. It's one of the best atmospheres in, in Major League Soccer. How, how did the songs go down then with the, the fan bases? Well, the, the fan, it's had a, a good few thousand uh, hits on YouTube. Uh, more so LAFC, which I'm happy about because that's actually one of my, one of my favourite ones that I've done because it's a little bit different, the song. It's not so... Yeah. I mean, uh, some of them can... Some of them aren't the best that I've done. I'm not going to mention any specific club names, but uh, like you, like you said earlier in one of your podcasts, Neil's done uh, lots of songs, some good, some not so good. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, and I thought to myself, you know what? He's right. He's right. Uh, but I was that being one, nice. <laughs> I, I know you're <laughs> you're you're bang on. You're bang on. But no, the the, the LAFC one was one that I thought that's pretty cool because it's it's not your ordinary kind of. Uh, football song in, in style. It was a bit more kind of psychedelic, you know, almost a psychobilly type uh, yeah. song. You know? it, it was very different. I mean, that's the thing, like your songs, there's a lot of different kind of genres in there and musical styles. And I mean, to you, because like from 2017, once we kind of moved the show from just being a podcast onto the radio, gave us the ability to, to more legally play music on the show which we had always done anyway but we we introduced our wavelength section and that section every every episode we play a song about football either by a proper band mainly by proper bands sometimes by teams sometimes by players some are just kind of more like fun spoof things but i've always liked the ones that's performed by proper bands and that there's a few really big like indie bands that, that have done songs about football. For you as a, a singer songwriter, Neil, what makes a good football song? Well, I'll, I can only say it from my from my perspective because uh, we all know music is subjective. So let's just get that out of the way before we yes. go any further. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure the listeners to my show will know that. My music is not to most people's tastes, especially over here. <laughs> uh, I would say, joke. oh, I, I get the same. <laughs> I get the same everywhere. So I, I, I hear you. I hear you. Um, but no, I, I would say 
first do your research, lyrically do your research. Don't don't get a stadium name wrong or anything like that. And try and try and uh, you've only got a couple of verses, so try and squeeze in the main bulk of what you want to say. Like maybe get a, mention a couple of the most legendary players, something about the town, something funny is always good. And uh, I found that a a chant a chanty chorus where you where you've got you know the it's sounding like a crowd chanting. That's when I do like fifty or sixty voices of of my own together <laughs> uh, for the choruses, uh, stuff like that. I think, I think when you get that sort of mob mentality for the chorus, it helps you, helps G you up a little bit. Yeah. Like the catchiness singing along. It, it, when you think of like Britpop in the nineties, like so many bands, like Shed Seven's an example. It's like their songs are just like anthemic that big crowds can build out. And I think that is what makes a, a good football song. And, for me, football songs, they do fall in, in a couple of strict categories. There's ones by proper bands, as I've mentioned. You've got the ones that clubs have done for occasions like World Cups, Euros, uh, just beating FA Cup finals. Like when we were growing up, that was always the thing, the FA Cup final song. Is there any particular football songs, out with your own, that, that you particularly have loved over the years? Um, I'd say the, the best one for me is a, I'm I'm going to say this because I'm a Hearts fan, but the, but I do actually think it's a great one. There's the the original Hector Hector Nickel, yes, uh, that does the. I don't know if your your listeners in Canada know it, but the Hearts 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 Glorious Hearts. It's uh, it's I just think it's fantastic the way it's been put together and the, the passion behind it. So I think Hector Hector Nickel was a big influence uh, because he's not only done the heart song, but he he was a serial songwriter because he's a, he's a Paisley man. I think he supports St Mirren, funnily enough. Uh, but he he actually did the the one for the the Hibs as well, Hibernian. Oh, High B Hibernian. Uh, no, no, the no, the glory, one. glory to the High oh. B. That one. He's done that one, and he's also done one for. Dundee, I believe, oh, wow. you know, which is an obscure one. It's called Amadie, Amadie, Till I Day, which translates to Amadie Until I Die for for the <laughs> Canadian <laughs> listeners. It's, it's a very funny one. So so this this guy had done a few different anthems and he's crossed, you know, he's done it for uh, rivals as well, i.e. Hearts and Hibs in Edinburgh. So I thought, wow, this that's something I could I could do more than just the Ross County one. I thought to myself, so so that's that's one. Another one I used to like was the one of the old Scotland's World Cup ones. Uh, I have a dream, you know that one. That's one of my favourites. Like if someone was to ask me what's your favourite song for a World Cup, it's always that. But I think yeah. a lot of it's helped by the the top of the pops performance <laughs> with, with John Gordon Sinclair. Like we. I, we're always going at East Fife that Steve Archibald's in that, so he's the only East Fife player to to have a have an appearance on top of the pops that we know of. So, but yeah, that that's an absolute classic song. Oh, like talking of Scotland songs, then there's been some great ones over the years. You've obviously now got one coming out. I have a dreams, one of my favourites. 
the only time Scotland's been to the Euros before was 1996, and the official song to me isn't really a football song because it's just Rod Stewart singing Wild Mountain Time and not even calling it that, he's calling it Purple Heather and then the Scottish players in the background. It's a good song. I love that as just a song in general, but there's never been a, a, a proper Euro song. And I had a look and there doesn't seem to be an official Euro song this year round. So you filled that gap with your song, There's Nay Team Like Scotland. Tell us a, a little bit about it, because I know you were very confident about Scotland qualifying because you wrote this <laughs> more than a year before Scotland qualified. Well, that's your words that I was very confident. <laughs> <laughs> well, you must be to write a song. No, I'm just daft. <laughs> <laughs> Getting ahead of the game. Uh, well, the, the story was I took a big risk and I knew I was taking a big risk. Uh, I thought to myself, right, if, if I can get my act together soon uh, bef before we've even qualified, hoping that we will, and write a Scotland song and even record the video, then that puts me on the front foot ahead of any other potential songwriting competitors. So And, and so it panned out. I couldn't believe it. We got to the semi-final and we won that on penalties. And then I was thinking, wow, this could actually happen, you know. And then, uh, of course, we win the playoff final and I was just double ecstatic, firstly for my country getting to the Euros or a, a major tournament, and then thinking, whoa, shit, I've got this song I've got to release. So, uh, And w within three days, it was in the SFA's inbox thing, like a... a, a professionally filmed video a song that's been that's a year and a half in the making and uh so they, they would have been kind of like how did this guy and the, the other thing because i my thought side... that when i saw it because i found out since that you mm -hmm. filmed it before the lock just before lockdown started because i was like how did he manage to get that filmed and he's walking through streets and stuff so that was fantastic that was just what i was going to say yeah i mean the, that was that was a fluke because I, I, like we said earlier, I live in Sweden now, so I had to obviously book book the weekend and plan everything out with the pubs and the football pitches I was filming it in. So it was a lot a lot of planning involved. So so the weekend was set for Friday the 13th of March. Uh, so, you know, I arrived there and, and there was a lot in the news about Corona, but it mm. wasn't like there was going to be a lockdown. So I've... I filmed the video and then almost the next day it was like, you know, I I, th I think I got the last flight home actually from from uh, Edinburgh to Gothenburg. It was the, the last wow. flight. Yeah, I, I I managed to get over to see my folks in February last year. Just and like the day I flew home was the day that London got its first case, and I was like, oh, ah. and that ended up proving great timing, but not as good timing as this. I mean, that definitely got you ahead of the game. So, I mean, I, I first saw it in November and then we played it on our show in January. But it's it's just been officially released as a single that folk can go and buy and download. And it's on Spotify, all those places. And it's been released on Lucky Jock's uh, record label. But a great thing about it, Neil, is that proceeds from it is going to the Scottish Association for Mental Health as well. Tell us a little bit about that tie-in and just why it was important for you to, to get this released as a charity single. 
Yeah, well, uh, personally speaking, it's, uh, you know, more now than ever, it just feels very important to to raise uh, awareness for mental health. And uh, it's been a, yeah, we don't need to talk about how crazy a couple of, a year and a half it's been. So uh, that's, that's number one. I thought it's just, it's the perfect uh, thing to raise awareness for, the perfect charity. So, and uh, it was suggested by, well, there's a company called Slange Kilts who, who kindly provided the kilt for me in the video. Um, an affiliate of theirs uh, is uh, Sam H. They work together, so uh, and, and and so they managed to set that up. Uh, they thought, oh, well, you know, we could we could uh, give proceeds to Sam H. Uh, this is the, that's the name of the mental health charity. So it all tied in with the sponsorship of the video. Uh, there was a lot of luck involved and, you know, serendipity of how it came together. Uh, and the same goes with the, the record label, Lucky Jocks. They're also an affiliate of uh, Slange Kilts. All uh, oh, right. Because they're essentially a clothing company yeah. turned record label for this project. <laughs> so, so they sell like, you know, tartan face masks and uh, stuff like that. So they're thinking, well, we'll we'll release this guy's single. And uh, at the same time, people will come onto our website and maybe buy scotland themed uh t-shirts and things like that i mean they've got you know the whole yes sir i can boogie uh oh yes that was stuck in my head for weeks much to my wife's annoyance uh, well they've got they've got they're selling t-shirts with uh yes sir i can bevy <laughs> <laughs> so uh things like that so it's it's, it's all tied in uh so I'm delighted that it's uh, that there are proceeds going towards mental health. I think that's great. You you also have like a time with tunics, which in the video, if folk haven't seen it, go over to YouTube as I said and watch it. There's a bit where you take out a, a tunics caramel waiver, which I can thankfully get over here and I regularly do, uh, as like giving it to the opposition player. But how did tunics get involved with it? Was it just because you had that bit in the video that they then jumped on board? No, no, no. It was no. basically, uh, it was an expensive video. It's uh, <laughs> so, uh, Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, uh, I had um, somebody I, uh, whose work I quite admired called Rodrigo Belsquim. He works for Minds Hive Creative. It's a, like a small independent film company in London. So I contacted him and he gave me a price and I was thinking, right, I'm going to, I'd like to see if I can get a sponsor for this on the back of my other football songs. So uh, I wrote to a few, well, many different large companies and uh, it's very difficult to get sponsorship. Uh, but uh, Tunix uh, stepped up to the plate and uh, a gentleman there said, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll help you out with XXX amount. And uh, I was very grateful for that. So I said, you know, Obviously, I'm, I'm wanting to to uh, to to shine tunics in a positive light somehow. So I incorporated it into the storyline of the video after I had obtained the sponsorship. Ah. So I thought it was it was a cool little bit because it's like I liked a, it. I think there was a bad tackle, and then the the two players are fighting, and the referee's breaking it up. That's my brother, the referee. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, they're all my mates in the video. Like, they're all my mates. I thought they would have been, yeah. 
so uh, as a peace offering, instead of fighting, one of the players takes out the tunics from the inside of their sock, which is actually meant to be in, like, um, you know, a ski and do. Yeah. It's a, like, for your viewers, that's a... Uh, if you have ever seen a man wearing a kilt, they sometimes have a, a small dagger tucked inside the sock. Well, that's called a ski and do. Well, uh, the, so the player pulls out the caramel wafer, so it kind of imitating what a ski and do would be like to pull out the sock and then hands it. So there was a little Scottish uh, nod there also. I loved it. And like Tunnix as well, great supporters of Scottish football. They sponsor the Challenge Cup and everything now. And... I mean, it's great when a big Scottish company like that gives money back to, to the game and supporting stuff like this. What's the reaction been? Because I know when it was first released, like I, I first heard about you on Off The Ball, which we then discovered was a couple of years ago. Uh, so I'd been kind of following your YouTube channel since then. And then when this came out, I loved it right away. Thought, oh, got to play this on, a, on our show. Um, before we chat today, did a quick bit of research, saw a few press articles for back in November. But what's the reaction been in the kind of last week or so as everyone's getting gripped by Euro's fever? Yeah, well, there, there's a higher interest because it's on the tip of everybody's tongues just now, uh, the Euros. So there's been a, a surge in hits, I've noticed. Uh, there's been uh, a, a little bit more press and... Uh, the only problem is I've had to do these these terrible uh, podcasts in Canada. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, who'd have thought you'd been doing that when you wrote the song? But the the, the only uh, downside to it all is uh, I've heard that the SFA are not uh, going to be embracing any song for the Euros. Oh, they're not. Yeah, which surprised me because yeah. you know I was going to ask you what their reaction to it was. And if they were going to bring you over or something for it, but clearly not, then. Well, they do like it. They do. They do think it's great. But I mean, you've got you've got to remember, there's maybe I, I've I've seen about seven or eight other entries. Oh, I I only know songs. one, which is Rudebeard, um, because they're they've got Topox and tragedies, and mm -hmm. one of the guys in Rudebeard is from a Glenrothes band where I'm from, Newtown Grunts, that I know from back in the day. So that's the only mm. other one I'd seen. Okay, no, there's a, there's a, I've been uh, logged into the, you know, the Tartan Army groups to promote oh. my single, and uh, there are quite a few, but, uh, you know, be, because, as I mentioned earlier, because I was on the front foot with yes. my risk policy, my hits are, you know, far ahead, the, the exposure I've had and the amount of hits, so I'm kind of, I'd say, in terms of exposure anyway, I'm the leading one. Uh, whether people like it or not is another thing. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely like it. I think it's great. I think the video is good. And you do have history of writing Scottish songs because you've written a Scottish World Cup song. Who would have thought we would ever utter those words again? But that was for the Women's World Cup in 2019. Give yes. it all we've got. And that's another one of yours that I really like. That's one of the ones I put in the some good category. <laughs> okay, but, uh, me too. I like yeah, that one. That, that's, right. a, that's a really good one. But I mean... What was behind that? Obviously, Scotland getting to any World Cup again, it felt like we were never going to qualify for for a, a World Cup or any tournament because we're both of an age where we remember Scotland qualifying for things constantly. Speak for yourself, mate. 
<laughs> You're close to me. You must remember most of these yeah. World Cups. <laughs> of course they do. Oh no, my the earliest I remember was uh, 86 quite clearly, 82 vaguely as a very young boy. Anyway, yeah, you were you were asking about um the Women's World Cup song. Yeah. That, well, it was great that uh, we managed to qualify the, the women's team for the first time and, uh, you know, show the men how it's done because yeah. we hadn't done it for so long at that point. Uh, and, and still crash out in heartbreaking fashion. Oh, that was, Nothing's that, changed. That was, that was oh, just... I was sitting watching it here and just head in my hands and just like, just thrown it, away. I really felt sorry for them. It, it was just... It, it was so, I hate to say it, but it was so Scotland, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, I, th- I honestly thought it was in the bag and, and I was so proud of them. But, you know, things happen on a football field we can't really understand. And it just it, it just went downhill. It was uh, very tragic. But I'm a positive guy. I'm a half fool guy. So uh, half glass fool guy, should I say. <laughs> um, so... My, the positive thing I took out of it was, uh, with with complete respect to women's football, I, I didn't have all that much interest in it before that point because we'd never really come to a major tournament, so I hadn't mm-hmm. taken it as seriously as I probably should have been. So, so when we got to the World Cup, um, I, I really started getting into the you know the women's football and uh, and because I I was genuinely gutted when we went out of it. And it was at that point when I thought, now I'm now I'm into this, taking it seriously. Now I'm really into women's football. So it, it felt it felt for me like it was a turning point with regards to following women's football. I th- I think in Scotland it was, and I think it made people take it more seriously. Because when I first came to Canada, I had no interest in women's football either. I didn't think it was of great quality. But it's it's big here. Canada is one of the the, the biggest countries in the world for women, the women's game. We hosted the 2015 World Cup here and the final was in Vancouver and I was at it and it was just an amazing experience, that just whole tournament. And then when Scotland qualified for 2019, it's like, oh, finally, we're getting to see Scotland in a in a big tournament. Now we're getting to see the guys. Games are going to be at Hamden. Before we get to that, though, where did you watch the the Serbia game and what were your emotions like that day? Because I took an extended lunch that then ended up being a super extended lunch because of the extra time and penalties. <laughs> um, I, I was at home because uh, in Swedish time, it was on pretty late at night. Um, you know, maybe finished about 10 o'clock. And uh, I remember my, the wife was like coming in to my like office where I was watching the game saying, is it not finished yet? And I'm saying, well, it's gone to penalties. And I was I was all tense, you know. And, uh, and I was just, I, I was so happy, like almost emo- emotional when we did it, when we when we got there. And I, I think I, I, I looked at my hand and it was actually shaking. I was thinking, yeah, we, we've I was done a it. wreck during the, that shootout. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, I honestly didn't know what to think if we were, if I expected us to do it or, or not, I, actually, I think if I remember correctly, in the game we scored. Charlie Christie scored a great goal to put us one up. Yeah, and we should have we should have done it in normal time. That's the thing. And then yes. to Scotland. <laughs> yeah, because we were the better team that day. I don't I don't think Serbia would dispute that. 
And they got a late goal, and I thought, oh, that's going to really hurt us now. And we just held out an extra time, and then, yeah, the rest is history. Yeah, my my complex manager here for where we live, he's Serbian and a huge football fan. So we'd had all this banter and the build-up to this, and when I saw him the next day, I didn't know how he was going to react, but he just shook my hand and said, better team, you deserve to be there. He was just so gutted with how his team had played in that one. And I, it's one of those things I genuinely feel if fans had been in attendance, I don't know that we would have got over the line because they're so fervent there that I think they would have taken Serbia over the line. But we'll take whatever we take. Of course, yeah, it was an away match. The thing is, you, you almost lose concept of what's... Or you lose track of... Oh, what's I know. in a way and what's a home match now? I, I also had to look to see when it was because I couldn't even remember. And it's like, oh, it's November. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. I only know that because my song was out yeah. two days later. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the, the final's coming up. We talked a little bit about it before we started recording. <laughs> How optimistic are you for Scotland in this? I, I'm going into it with very low expectations. If we do anything, it's just going to be a bonus. Um, well, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I'm quietly optimistic that we can maybe, maybe get a point or maybe get a win. It's, it's not impossible we could get a point or a win in maybe the first game. I think that's our biggest yeah. opportunity of points. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to build up big expectations against England, uh, I just hope that we do ourselves proud and not not embarrass ourselves. And if we got a draw, I'd be I'd be happy with that. I think, but uh, honestly, I mean, who knows? Honestly, it's really difficult to predict. I know, and like football is so different now because a lot of the home advantage or the big teams' advantage has gone a bit because it's not packed stadiums. You you saw that in the, the English Premiership for the, the start of this season. It was a lot of the smaller teams that were out on top until the big teams kind of got in the swing of things. And then, like, Man City were, like, mid-table and below second half of the table for the first few weeks of the season and then just found their feet, how to play in this, and then just went on a run. So, I mean, there's going to be a shock at the Euros. There's going to be a small team that, that does well. I think it might be North Macedonia, but... That, who's to say it's not Scotland? Who's to say if, if things might just come into place? This this is the, the optimistic Neil speaking. Uh, <laughs> things things might come into place because I, I think we've got the the best Scotland manager. It's the best Scotland manager we've had for a long time, I think, Steve Clark. I think he was almost universally approved when he came in. I, I mean, I, I'm guessing that, that's the feeling I've I've had anyway. Yeah, he got a bit of a tough start and folk are like, ooh, is he the right guy for the job? But he's found he's found his foot in, he's found his style of play and it works. It's maybe not always the prettiest to watch, but at the end of the day, it's the results. That's all that matters, how you get there. Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I've watched him firsthand at uh, TakeOver Kilmarnock, who were a team languishing at the bottom of the table and... You know, they finished third and now look at what's happened to Kilmarnock. Yeah, he goes and it's all undone again. So, uh, no, even even though Clark uh, didn't get off to the best start, 
I was still on board thinking that this this guy and Clark we trust, as they say. Uh, I just thought this guy knows what he's doing, and he has got and he's got a real kind of intimidating presence about him. Don't, I think he's a bit scary in a way. You know, he's, oh, he's yeah. got real. Right. Yeah, he's like your your old old school style Scottish manager. Yeah, that's um, what we want. Yeah. And it's like it's an exciting young crop of players. My my ultimate hope is because Canada and America <laughs> and Mexico, mainly America, we're going to get a few games here. We're hosting the twenty twenty six World Cup. My desire is for Scotland to to reach that. I've always said if Scotland get back to a World Cup, I'm going to go to it. I don't really want to go to Qatar because I don't think I could handle the heat. But if they make oh. it, I think I'm going to have to. <laughs> But I think my, my fingers are crossed for 2026 and hopefully we can get you to write a, a Scottish anthem for the 2026 one if we... Oh, if I'd love to. Or at least it's... write one for the World Cup for us here and we'll plug it, come over, get you some publicity. Oh, oh I, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd well, love to. Thank you so much for joining us to, today, Neil. Before we go, just let everyone where they can find you online, where they can find your, your stuff online and where they can buy... The, there's no team like Scotland single well um, you can find me on the, I've got a YouTube channel that's Tweezer76 uh, but uh, as far as the track there's no team like Scotland that's on all the, the major you know platforms Spotify iTunes Apple etc etc uh, or you can buy it directly from Lucky Jock's website uh, which is a luckyjocks.co.uk but you shouldn't have any trouble finding it I've had a check, it's all on there and uh, I just hope hope you enjoy it Yeah, we will definitely get that tweeted out as well, hopefully you get a lot of folk buying it from listening to this on this show and also we're going to put this on our East Fife podcast as well I'll I'll badge you in the, the coming weeks to try and do a Whitecaps or an East Fife song we We'd love an East Fife song. There's not many East Fife songs, so they could add that to your Scottish. You did one for Cowden Beath, so I mean, you've got to do East Fife. Yeah, yeah, it would only be right East Fife or or the or the White Caps. Yeah, uh, I'd I'd like to learn more about the your your team in Canada. You know, well, if you. I'll give you any information you want. Of course, listen to our show and you'll find out all about them every single week. <laughs> I, I might even make them my, my Canadian team that I support. How's that? There we go. That's all we can ask for. Just to warn you now, we're terrible. So <laughs> <laughs> I've been oh. cursed with the teams that I follow. <laughs> but for, for a connection for you, Hearts, assistant manager, Gordon Forrest, played for East Fife, Coached at East Fife, assistant manager at the Whitecaps for four seasons. And a good well, that's a good one. Well. <clears throat> that is a good one. I was going to say to you, do you is um, did Shannon Lynn, the, the goalkeeper, did she play in uh, Canada? Oh, she, I don't they, know. I'm not great on my female players, but it's not a name I recognise. She's the she's the um, one of the Scotland goalkeepers for the women's international team, and she's Canadian. Plays her oh. football in Sweden. Yeah, so there you go. I'll have a look at that then. Mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. thank you for joining us, Neil. We've talked about his song, There's No Team Like Scotland. We played it back in January, but we're going to play it for you again in this week's Wavelength. Here's Neil Grant, There's No Team Like Scotland. We've got 
There, getting me in the mood for the Euros that kick off on Friday, Scotland's first game against the Czech Republic, 6am Pacific time on Monday morning. I'll be getting up bright and early for that one, hoping Scotland can get off to a good start and finally move into the next round of a major tournament. With songs like that spurring us on, how can we fail? Neil Grant there, there's no team like Scotland. You can buy that on Spotify, on Apple iTunes or at luckyjocks.com. Proceeds from sales will go to the mental health charity in Scotland that we talked about there. Please support it, cheer on Scotland and give to a good cause as well. And as we mentioned in our chat with Neil there, there's a number 
of songs being brought out for Scotland for this Euros campaign. So over the next month, I'm going to be bringing you a few of my favourites. You can let us know by the end of it what your favourites have been. And if you stumble across any fun songs for the Euros as well, give us a tag on Twitter at AFT in Canada and we'll check them out. But that is it for this week's show. But just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. For me, it's at ZacharyAM. I'm Mike McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFT in Canada, on Instagram at AFT in Soccer, and on YouTube at AFT in Canada. Give us a like and a subscribe and all the stuff that the young kids tell you to do in all their videos. We'll be back next week. But until then, thanks for listening. I take care and mourn the caps and allez la rouge. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.